Entrepreneur Sessions, the podcast. All right. Welcome to another episode of Entrepreneur Sessions. I'm your host, Jennifer, and this is my co-host, Mario. And we got a really exciting show today. We got a really, this is going to be a fun interview, basically. Um, He is one of the youngest and most successful AFLAC regional directors in the country. He's been highly successful by changing the culture of the office setting and seeking to change the landscape of what people think they know about insurance and sales. So welcome, Taha Rahman. How are you? The first day she spent the whole 30 minutes uh, on mute, couldn't figure it out, came on and said, Daddy, help me. Now I need to call her in to help me with the Zoom meeting. This is awesome. How are you guys? How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on here. Thanks man. for being on here. It was Thanks, We're looking forward to this, man. Thanks for uh, taking the time to be on the on the podcast with us. I, I I absolutely will tell you a couple of things. Okay, these kind of things like get me excited because like you know when you get into like these corporate settings, like they want to put you on these white couches on stage and ask you questions. Like when like all of the people that hate you sit right in front of you and they know like anything you say, like they're just like, Mm-mm, that's not true. But I love coming on shows like this, like people like grassroots. Cause like, you know, you gave that like intro of me and I'm like, man, is that really me? Like, I don't even <laughs> see myself there. Like I'm just like a, like a small business guy that ran into some great luck work my butt off right and and then just had an opportunity to like share my mistakes right and you know with you guys doing this i'm pretty sure if you guys go back to episode one and look at episode today you're like oh my god did we do that on episode one like i just love this like this is this is it this is what makes america grow like all that other stuff don't matter this is what makes america grow like us having the opportunity to kind of do what we want and when you ask me the question, I'll get into why that's so important for me. And then we'll kind of talk about that. No, that's an excellent segue to my, my question, man. Um, and it was, it's kind of, you know, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, it's kind of a spinoff with entrepreneur. And yeah. so with that, you know, can you tell us a little bit about your entrepreneur background and how you, first of all, ended up with Aflac? Yeah, I absolutely can. So, you know, uh, I am like behind like everybody there's just like a group of cool people that push that person. So I'm going to talk about those people first because they're the reasons that I do everything. Okay. Number one, my wife, that's my ride or die. Like she is my dog. That's Brittany. Number two is Lena. And number three is Layla. I say that because I tell everybody my love goes to them in the order I found them. So my wife was first, my oldest, and then my youngest, right? So uh, for me, I was actually working at a company called University of Phoenix. Uh, I started there very young. Uh, I started as a front desk guy um, because I was coaching baseball and um, I didn't have benefits. This is crazy. I didn't make this up, by the way. I didn't have benefits. And I was like, I should get benefits because I can't be on my parents' plan. So I went to get a front desk job. I was at that front desk job literally for like, five seconds and then they were like hey we want to put you on this side and then i went into being a counselor and i did uh really well in being a counselor and then i got a promotion here and there and i was just doing great and there was my life was made like it was made like i was going to be at university of phoenix for the rest of my life like i believe what the company was doing i moved up the ranks right uh, people loved me there 
And then July, 2013, second Tuesday, I walked in, I got laid off. Not due to performance, not due to anything because University of Phoenix receives financial aid. So the government said uh, any for-profit universities, any position that's not education-based will be eliminated on Tuesday. I was on the business side at this point of my career, right? So my position got eliminated and I have nothing bad to say about the University of Phoenix. That company took care of me on the layoff process, found me a headhunter. They tried to bring me back like eight different ways. But that's when I was to that point where I was like, someone else owns my destiny. Like, do you know how crazy that is? Like, and you know, my parents had a W-2 job. My family had a W-2 job, everything along those lines. And I, like in a second, right? The whole landscape of our life changed. My wife's life changed, my daughter's life changed. And I just, that made me sick to my stomach, right? Like I couldn't do anything. I didn't get laid off because I was late to work or X, Y, Z or whatever the case may be. I got laid off because of something that was going on. Especially with this pandemic happening, there's millions of people out there that are feeling that. They've been with the company, they're one year away from, you know, being vested, right? Getting pensions for the rest of their life. And in a moment, boom, you're gone. And you had to let someone do it. So for me, like Aflac didn't find me. I'm not gonna give them that credit, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I found Aflac, right? Um, for me, I looked that company up. It's been uh, recognized as one of the top 100 most ethical companies to work for for 13 years in a row. That's big for me, right? I, I looked at, um, the opportunity and the growth opportunity. And I knew I didn't fit the mold. I've never fit the mold anywhere. Like, do you know what I'm saying? And I was like, cool, that's fine. I'm in Houston, Texas. I don't fit the mold. I'm going to go sell insurance. And what I tell everybody when they um, ask me how I got started, I was like, I promise you, when I was like cramming for like exams in college, I wasn't like telling myself like, man, I got to pass this so I can be 26 and 26 and sell insurance like that was never the game plan right but it's where you find joy in so i started this career um my beginning of my career in aflac was let's just say it wasn't everything i expected like i didn't get the leadership that i i wanted and i told myself at that time if i ever got an opportunity to be in leadership i would do everything different I would not fall into what everybody else is doing. We're going to be different from day one to day now. And we are going to let them know we're different. And we're not going to change for anybody, right? Like my mindset was, if, I, if I'm going to be successful, I'm going to be successful Taha Ramen style. Or I'm going to go down in a blazing ball of fire. Like I wasn't going to adjust to them. I'm going to give a James Harden quote. I don't adjust to you you adjust to me, right? Like James Harden said it. And I was like, when he said it, I thought he was talking to my soul because that's how I came into this Aflac world. So to answer your question, I got laid off and it affected my family. That's why I said I had to talk about those three people before. And I just didn't want to do that ever again, right? I wanted to control, like if, if I lose my job, I want to be able to look at my kids in the eyes and say, that's daddy's fault. That's on me, right? I, I I just don't want to change their lives for something that I can't control. I didn't want anybody else to have my destiny. And I just took it and I just ran with it. I mean, you guys do it. It's not easy. 
There's a lot of there's a lot of nights where you just sit in the corner and you say, Mm-mm, "That's the dumbest decision you ever made, boy. You're stupid, right? Like you just and you just gotta like turn it on and go." But I have never been happier. Like I like truly, truly like my soul. Like I'm just happy at what I do. That's it. I love your energy, man. I, I love it, man. Because that's the kind of energy that you need as a, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, because, you know, you get times where it, it, things just don't work out. You know, you're just having a bad day and it's like you have to have a smile on your face because, you know, at the end of the day, none of your clients care. They just care about the end results. So it's like, you know, you just got to go after it, be hungry about it. So I love yeah, it. So I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. You brought this up and look at me just going off doing whatever I want, right? Uh, we have rule one in our office. This is a very strict rule in our office, right? Rule one is everybody has baggage. Everybody does. Jennifer, you have it. Mario, you have it. I have it. We all have baggage. So rule one is when you walk into the door of the office, leave your baggage at the door. Because the funny thing is when you leave at night, no one's going to steal that shit. Like if your wife was mad at you, when you went to work, she's going to be still mad at you when you go home, right? Yeah. So, like, for us, it's like we have work and we have personal life, right? And what, where, where it gets really murky and where people can't find joy and they're like, I don't know which way is up and which way is down is because they take personal life to work and then they take work back home, right? They have a bad day at work. They take it out on their kids and their kids are bad. They take it out on their – so we have this thing, this energy – like for me, right when I walk in the door, I tell everybody, I'm gonna have good days and I'm gonna have bad days. You will never be able to tell me which one I'm having. When you do is the day I quit. Yeah. So that's just the, that's one of the big rules. Like I can't ask anybody on my team to do that if I'm not doing it myself. And, and piggybacking off of that, um, you know, so like now we're in the COVID situation. And, and so a lot of people are working at home. So now yeah. you home and work life kind of merging together. So. It's one of those things where, like, you know, I create an office here, and once I come out and go out the door, it's my house. So what you said sounds great because, you know, maybe I'll just leave it out there at the front door, even though that's <laughs> my house. But, you know, right here is where I work. So Ah. You, you got you to gotta find that zen, right? And then, like, if you're going to walk out of that door and you're going to be a dad, like, I have two full-time jobs, right? I, like, I do what I do. And then I'm a full-time dad. That's what I'm most proud of, right? Like I am, I'm there for my kids. Like I'm not the dude that makes it to every game. No knock on that. I'm the dude that makes it to every practice at every game. Like I'm always going to be there for them no matter what. And that goes into a different story on why, but like, that's me, right? I am very involved. So I can't bring that there. And like the team knows that and the team respects that. Cause I respect that back. So like nobody on my team, Right now, is going to call me. I promise you no one on my team is going to call me. And if they do, something's on fire. Like, so, like it's an emergency, like a real emergency kind of thing. So I just like, we had create that conversation. culture. Mm -hmm. huh? no, no, I was just saying, I just had the exact same conversation with somebody the other day. Because it's like, when I'm here, I'm focused. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to make sure it gets done. But then when I'm gone, don't call me unless something's on fire. I literally had that conversation like two days ago. So it's important, you know, work-life work -life balance is like optimal because that's how you keep yourself from getting burnt out. You have to have an escape from the work, Jennifer, you know, so that you can be strong and good at the work, you know. Jennifer, I'm going to tell you something. I'm yeah. not going to accept that answer work-life balance anymore. So I have this really? big, yeah, work-life balance is not a real thing. 
I think okay. anybody that uses the work work-life balance is like the number one liar. Okay, so this is it. I think over the last 20 years, we forgot the concept of work. Like we go to work to make money. That's mm -hmm. it, by the way. That's it. Nothing more. We go there to make money, to make life outside better. So it should never be work-life balance. It should be work-life imbalance. Because if a company is telling you they want you to do work-life balance and they're proud of their work-life balance, right? Which yeah. means they're going to put work over life. Mm -hmm. That's never going to happen in our industry, right? It's like yeah. work-life imbalance. Like no more like, you know, when little Timmy is sick, right? And you like kicking him out of the car and you're like, listen, just go to school. I'm going to wait till the nurse calls me. Like go, go ball this out. I don't have sick time, right? Like no more of that. Like if Tim, Timmy's sick, like stay home. That's your number one priority, right? And that's why like the term, not I just don't use it. It's work-life imbalance. Mm -hmm. Like I, that's no, my I thing. Yeah. Work-life imbalance. Because if you do it balance, if a company's saying work-life balance, you know what that means. Mm -hmm. They're going to expect work to be more than yeah. life. Yeah. And that's just and not you better be figure out how to balance. <laughs> and you got to figure out how to balance. That's exactly what that basically means. I love it. <laughs> oh, We're going to take the right now. Yeah. Okay. Man, we haven't, we're not even just, wow. We, we just warmed up and we're already getting good. So, um, life imbalance, new term. I know. Work, Work life, life imbalance. imbalance. There it is. <laughs> okay. So, speaking of work life balance, I know insurance and sales can sometimes be a topic that many people avoid. But, yeah. How have you, yeah. Yeah. But, how have you managed to capture the attention of your customers? So it's very simple. Who wants to talk about benefits? Who wants to talk about insurance? The answer is nobody. Ask me if I want to talk about it. No, I don't. Like, I hate to talk about it, right? But the truth of the matter is we don't, for us, like the biggest insult that anybody can give me or anybody on my team is calling it sales because that's not what we do, right? The mindset's got to be different. The mindset's got to be education. And I'm going to talk about something that's kind of controversial. So... I don't know if you guys are gonna cut this out or whatever the case may be. Uh, bring it okay. okay, so I'm gonna tell you the difference. The difference between rich people and poor people. And the reason I know, because I grew up poor, okay? And I'm not poor anymore. But the difference between rich people and poor people is one thing. It's information, right? When, when, when you grow up poor, like I grew up in a really bad neighborhood, right? Like I didn't know what my future, like I didn't know what the next step was. or I didn't know all of that stuff, right? I didn't know that I had to do this kind of test to set myself up to go this and get this kind of scholarship and do all of that stuff, right? It's just a lack of information. That's all it is. And when you go into benefits world, right? It's the same concept, right? Because the people that are like having their parents, like they're having to mortgage their house, to pay for cancer treatment. They're having to take out a loan that's gonna put the whole family in debt. See, when someone gets diagnosed with cancer, it doesn't affect just the one person, it affects the whole family, right? The difference between the people that are mortgaging their house and taking out a loan that they never can pay back and the people that don't is education. So my mindset's always been the same. I don't care if you're a two-man company, Microsoft, 10,000 man company, when I talk to you, it's going to be the exact same. Because I have no right to educate you, Jennifer, differently than I educate Mario. That's not fair. I wasn't put in this planet to do that stuff. My job is we go out there, we give the people the education, and we put real life instances in there, right? And try to really teach people about what benefits are, not telling you your deductible is $1,000. 
No one knows what that means. Let's talk about what a deductible means, right? If you have a baby, you don't have to come up with a thousand dollars out of your pocket. Are you in that situation? No, then this is what you need to do. You need to put up HSA right there, right? You put money aside here right now so you don't have to worry about it right then. Like having real life conversations and educating. Like that's what we wanna do, educate. Because it's not fair, right? I say this, so my mom, she's got, she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer three and a half years ago, okay? Uh, Hardest news I had to ever take. Like I moved to LA and I was like, I'm out. I'm coming back to H-Town, Bob. Like this is what I'm gonna be there for you all the time. And you gotta understand like, I'm 99% the way I am because of this lady, okay? So Aflac took care of me, my, and it's not so much Aflac, like my territory vice president took care of me and like flew me out that day to go see my mom. And I walked oh. in, I said, mom, I'm here to stay. She kicked me out of the house. She said, listen, I'm gonna tell you something. I gave birth to you, you didn't give birth to me. Get the hell out of here. Go do what you're supposed to do. Like she did that. And she told me, she was like, you go do what you're supposed to do. I go do what I'm supposed to do. And she says, what, what can he do? I was like, I think we can be the number one team in percentage of quota. She said, you give me that award, I'll give you a clean bill of health. So that year, I was on a different level. Like there, I was willing to die to get that. Like, do you understand? Like there was no one that's gonna beat me. So on December 14th, I called my mom and said, hey mom, got 14 days left, but we're gonna finish first. She said, great, on December 21st, she called me and she told me she was chemo free, right? Like, like that, 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 was, that was the deal. But the reason I tell you that, the reason my mom did, is great and she's still here and she's a trooper, right? It's very simple. She got the best medicine money could buy. She got every treatment that she could think because I could afford it. If my mom got diagnosed with cancer five years earlier, six years earlier, my mom would still not be around because I didn't have money then. Right. And it's messed up. Like, like someone's family member shouldn't be alive and not alive because they have access to money. So what we do is we change that and we go into education, mm -hmm. right? You don't have access to money. Guess what? There's things there for you that you can like handicap yourself, right? Like put that little parachute out there, right? And you're gonna have to make a choice, right? Mm -hmm. don't have Starbucks this week and get this plan, right? Like you get what I'm saying? And right. so it's all about education. And anytime anybody sits with me, Jennifer and Mario, you'll see, like they can mm -hmm. tell within five seconds, like one thing I'm not is a liar. Like I am as real and in your face as possible. And I'm a hate it or love it kind of guy. You love it or you hate it, but choose a side and stick to it, right? But I'm gonna come with just straight honesty and education and I built my whole team on that principle. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, I, you can't inspect, you have to inspect what you expect, right? And I inspect them in their craft, working with the clients, doing this stuff. And we have a process on how we go to market, right? Like A to Z, we don't skip anything and we treat everybody the same. I don't care if it's your mom's company to someone you hate's company. Process, put it in, finished product, put it in, finished product and we treat everybody the same. So to answer your question, that's how we do it, I guess. That's a long-winded question. That was a great, great answer. And I have a, a, 
a question that's related, a follow-up question, but it's not, basically, a lot of people stay in corporate America sometimes when they have entrepreneurial dreams because they're scared of not having healthcare as a, you know, being fully out on their own as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So what are some myths about, um, I guess, maybe coverage options or are ways that an entrepreneur can protect themselves? Because a lot of them feel like, hey, if I'm not with my company, my, I'm going to be paying a ridiculous amount of money for health insurance. I'm starting up. I don't have the money. So I'm going to go without health insurance. But then what happens when they get in that situation where they potentially have themselves or another family member who gets cancer? So what, what are some options for entrepreneurs to be able to protect themselves from a health perspective while building up? That's a, that's a great question. I love it, Jennifer. So here it is, okay? So there's the myths. I'll talk about the myths, right? So the myths is my health insurance is cheaper when I'm with a company, right? That only matters if you're a company that's over 500. So if I'm an individual, because of the healthcare reform, ACH, right, that happened, it's been 13 years now, right? Like it's been around for a while. I think it's right around 13 when they start talking about it. Eight years, nine, no, 10 years that's been put into play, right? Mm -hmm. ACH took that away, right? Like if you have diabetes, right, before you couldn't get health insurance unless you had a company, right? That mm -hmm. myth is gone. So now, unless you're in a company that has 500 or more, your health insurance is the same rate as it would be if you just went to healthcare.gov. This is where the big difference is, right? When you're a company, you want to offer health insurance to your employees, you have to pay 50% of the premiums, minimum. So like some companies will pay 50, some companies will pay 75. Nobody really pays 100 anymore because it's just not affordable anymore, right? So they pay 50, 60. So when you look at a plan, when you're with your company, you're paying $200 for health insurance, right? And now you're on yourself and you're paying 400. You're like, ah, I'm paying more. No, you're not. It's the same plan. Do you get what I'm saying? So these are things that you have to put into play, though. This is a part of the, like, this is it to really go off track because this is what this interview is going to be all about, okay? Like, entrepreneur, right? Like, we talk about this, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to do it. Mm -hmm. But do you have an exit strategy? What's your exit strategy? My exit strategy, uh, I didn't have one because I got laid off. Like, I had to, but I still made a plan of what it looked like because guess what I was getting at that time? I was getting, I was getting a severance package. I was getting unemployment. So I knew what my window was that I had to go in there and make it, right? Like that was a part of my exit strategy. Like I got 120 days and I got to do it. If not, I got to go back to the well. I got to go get a W-2 job, right? So the people that are sitting here and like, you know what? I want to go out there and open my own hair salon. I want to go back and open my cookie business. By the way, I'm going to give a pub to a cookie business right now. It's called uh, Cookie Society in Dallas, Texas. Oh yeah, they're the bottom. Uh, <laughs> they are the best cookies in the world. But like they had to make a plan. Like I'm leaving my W2 to go and I have to go do my business, right? And everybody yeah. talks about it, but what is the exit strategy? And a part of that has to be benefits. And I don't think enough people listening to this podcast are asking themselves, what is my exit strategy? If I wanna get out of this W2 world, what's my exit strategy? Mm. Come up with that plan, see what the cost is, see what yeah. the non-negotiables are. 
That's a great strategy. I love that, man. Yeah, because that's that's the fear of an entrepreneur. You know, it's like the insurance part. You know, it's like, oh man, I got paid thousands of dollars for insurance, so I'll just go without insurance and, you know, kind of risk it. So, uh, random question. All right, yeah. so you could have uh, completely off topic. If you yeah. could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh God. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you this. I'm gonna answer this question, and then every comment I made before this, no one's gonna listen to it because they're gonna be like, <laughs> "Look at these guys. He's listening, listing off." Okay. Number one, first, first and foremost, Dave Chappelle. Okay. It's happening. Uh, I admire that guy so much. That guy changed my life. Uh, I was in Houston, Texas, and he showed up to open mic night because that was his thing, and he spoke. He's the smartest human being around. Like, I don't think people understand how smart that dude is, right? And he, I was always a fan of comedy, but he did it in such a different way where it made me feel like I could do it. And, you know, interesting fact about me, I've done comedy, right? And Dave Chappelle was the reason. So I definitely want to meet Dave Chappelle. Number two, Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco, okay? Uh, I'm a diehard Bengals fan, right? right. And, uh, I became a diehard Bengals fan because I was a USC fan and USC was getting their butt whooped by Oregon state one year. I was just guys just catching every ball. Right. And it happened to be Chad Johnson. Then he got drafted by the Bengals. And the reason I'm going to put Chad Johnson on there is because if you watch that guy, his antics, right. That he does and how he acts in his behavior. What people don't realize is he's smart. What he does is he takes the attention away from all the faults and he puts it on himself. And people that played sports don't understand, like he was a great player, but he took attention away from like the other athletes so they can have their mess ups because he knew he was gonna do that. And he was a person that did that because I think he wanted to push himself to another level. He wanted to put more pressure on himself and do all of that stuff. And he was just a happy person, man. Do you know how many miserable people live in this world? Too many. I just want to have dinner with that guy because he's just hilarious. Like, he drives a Fiat. He's on Twitter all the time. He eats McDonald's every morning, leaves an $8,000 tip for somebody, right? And he's not making NFL money anymore, right? He's just the dude that just, it's just like a genuine happy guy. And I want to be around that, right? He doesn't drink. He doesn't do all of that. He got in trouble that one time. I understand. But other than that, his career clean right like he just so i want to be around surrounded by that stuff and then the next person i guess like and it's gonna be sports related it's so terrible like i'm, I'm just and, and it's it, and it's just gotta be it's gotta be michael jordan and there's gotta be like a couple of questions i gotta ask him how to be a dog like him like i i don't know if you guys saw the 10-part series on the mj series like, I yeah. promise you, I watched that not sitting for one of it. Like, I was just up. And I was just like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. this human being is there. Like, he doesn't care if you want to win or not. Like, let's go, right? Like, I just want to meet leaders like that. And Dave Chappelle is just cool, dude. So, like, those are, those are, those are my three people, FJ, Chad, and Dave Chappelle. Now, everything I said before that, thank you, Mario, no one's going to listen to because they were like, he didn't put MLK. He didn't put like, no, he, he I didn't think put like these, great people. Yeah, like, he didn't put people. some of these great writers and all of that stuff. But yeah. those are the people that I want to be around. I just think it would be a great dinner. I love it. 
I love it. Especially Dave Chappelle. Oh my God, that guy's amazing. So what are the top mistakes you see business owners make well, and people make in general when it comes to, I know we kind of already talked about that, but I guess more so the top mistakes you see people make as it relates to insurance. So I, I will tell you, business owners, the biggest mistake they make when it comes to benefits is they don't offer it. And uh, they don't offer it because there's no, um, it costs money, right? And, and they talk about it. Do you know what the number one thing that gets canceled when there's a pandemic? Uh, the marketing department, right? <laughs> like followed by cutbacks <laughs> to cutbacks to uh, benefits, right? That's number two. Yeah. But the biggest mistake you do is you cut benefits. Like when times get tough, increase benefits. Like that's what people don't want to think about. And this goes back to like culture, right? Like, and why my team is different and why we do things differently, right? Increase benefits, even when you can't afford it. Because like, it's like, nobody wants to spend money on benefits, right? But think about it. It's all about retention. That's the name of the game. How long can I retain you, Jennifer? How long can I retain you, Mario? The game is retention, 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 retention. How long can I keep you? After two years, you know what I have? After you've been with a company for two years, even if you hate that place, you know what you have? Loyalty. Because if you didn't, you would have left already. You might hate the boss, but you're like, well, whatever. It's the best I got, right? Like you have loyalty because it costs so much more to train somebody else. It costs so much more to replace people. And people don't understand this hiring process is a different beast now. Like, it's not like you put a name on a door and someone walks in, right? Or like, you know, they make it seem like, oh, I found my job on LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn charges you like $249 to like talk to anybody, right? Like, there's like so much cost that goes involved. Like if you're on ZipRecruiter, like for me to put a job posting in ZipRecruiter, that's gonna cost me 400 bucks, right? For me to get like 10 trash candidates and one good candidate, right? And then I bring that person on. Then it's gonna take a three month lag window where I'm gonna be down, 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 down on production on whatever level you can, right? And then I'm not really gonna get that person to the level where they're supposed to be producing uh, or any kind of production till month six. And guess what happens month six? They quit. They quit. Like when I grew up, like, like my mom, my dad, my uncle, like they were in the same company for like 20 years. Now, by the time you're 30, you have been 18 different places, like so many different places. You're like, mm -mm, can't put that on my resume, right? Like it's, it's, that's where we are. That's the industry. Because 20 years ago, people say, no, it's the Generation Z, like, like the millennials, because I'm a millennial, right? Like they're just, they're just, they're, that's what they do. No, it's not. We're not treated like they were 20 years ago. You know, 20 years ago, do you know how much you paid for health insurance? Zero dollars. You know, if you work for a crappy company, what your deductible was? 250 bucks. Everybody had paid, paid for life insurance. Everybody had dental. Everybody had vision. Everybody had pay time off, right? Everybody had all of this stuff. And nowadays you don't. Right. So biggest mistake I see when it comes to benefits is very simple. They, they cut back or they offer a, like a very like skeleton amount of the benefits and you can't, right? Like everybody on my team is family, right? And I will take care of my family. And I think that's how small business, and that's how all small businesses are anyway, right? 
and they just can't justify paying for benefits, I say justify paying for benefits. Take away overtime, justify paying for benefits. Like find a way to offer benefits because the name of the game is retention. If you can't retain, you ain't gonna make it. Right. If you can't retain, someone ain't gonna talk about you. Right. And I feel like it goes back to the education part because you mentioned uh, earlier in our conversation the difference between poor people and rich people is, is education. Yeah. So, in that regards, you know, when the economy goes down, I feel like there's a lot of people who aren't, I don't want to say not educated, but maybe not educated in that particular area to know that they need to invest more into the insurance versus, you know, everything else. So like on that note, what, what materials do you think people need to kind of gravitate to, to educate themselves on that or, or, or books or, you know, what, what do you think people need to do to kind of better equip their company? I, I would I would say like there is so many smart people out there like so many smart people and, and and as human beings we all have it it's this thing called pride like like I I know what I'm doing right and like you can't be there like if you're not willing to if you're not willing to grow like mentally as a person your company's not willing to grow. Mm -hmm. right? Like it's very simple, right? Like read, 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 read. You want me to tell you books that I think everyone should read? Lean in, Lean in. right? You got to read Lean In, right? You got to read the five love languages of business, right? You got to read the 10X theories, right? Like, and, and those three books that I told you are like all three different ways, right? Like what is like learning somebody? 10X theories like in your face. And the reason I gave three different things is you got to read it all. Because mm -hmm. if you're not reading, you're not like, I'm not, I don't do any one book, but it's called case, copy and steal everything, right? Like I'm taking from here, I'm taking from here, I'm taking from here and putting it together and going there. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel, right? I have my thoughts that I'm going to stand on, mm -hmm. but as business owners, and you guys are business owners here, right? Mm -hmm. There is no way in God's green earth, you guys are great at everything. Like, there's no way. You don't have right? time. You don't have time. Like, be good at what you do, right? And then learn. Like, don't try to reinvent the wheel on that stuff. Like, what I'm good at, like, my lane is culture, right? Like, the other stuff, like, I got to learn, like, the structure, like, structure. Ten years ago, if you asked me what a planner was, I'd be like, right here, <laughs> well, right? Like, I got it, right? But I read about it, and I read about box theory. And I read about boxing out your time. Like, that's not in my personality, right? But I copied something someone did that was very successful. And that's how I was able to do it, right? Being addicted to your schedule and doing all of that stuff. That's not in my nature. Culture's my thing. But you got to read about the things you're not good at to make it happen. That's real talk. There's a book I'm, I'm reading. Well, I mean, I'm reading Eat That Frog right now by Brian Tracy. Okay. And and, uh, you know, for me, I think that's my biggest thing is like time management because sometimes it's so much stuff and you look up and it's like you got big plans and then you look down and the sun's gone and you're like, where did the day go? So I, what I love that he said in that book is that 20% of your, he said he related to so many things. He said, even in your business, 20% of your, your, your um, you know, your services account for 80% of your, I guess your profit, 20% of the things that you really need to be focused on account for, those are the things that move you forward. So I, I love that. I, I think everything you said was right on point. So I was feeling that. Yeah, just read. 
Yeah. And what's the worst that can happen? Like, as human beings, guess Oh, here's the thing. When I say read, I do not mean audible books. I mean hand to paper, read, highlight, and do all of that stuff. Like, you know, I I would talk to someone, like, I don't read a lot, okay? I probably add about 10 to 12 books a year, okay? And if you ask my friend, they're like, no, he can't read. He, he doesn't read 10, but I do actually read 10 to 12 books a year, right? Like that's what I, and I talk to some people, they're like, yeah, I read 24 books. And I'm like, they're like, was it audible? Yes, that doesn't count. Like you gotta read, you gotta get so mad with a page that you like tear it, be like, oh, I hate this page, right? Like you gotta mark it up. Like that's real reading and getting in there. And the best thing is, look, I start reading a book. Mario and Jennifer, right? And it's yeah. complete bad. It's just bad. I don't agree with any of that stuff. I'm gonna finish the book and then I'm gonna put it aside. I'm smarter by just starting this habit that we are as human beings just getting away from, which mm-hmm. is reading. And you know, cause everything's on TV. Like I'll just wait till it comes out on TV, right? Like just, just makes you a better person. So I don't think you can do anything wrong. Like my suggestion, if you're an entrepreneur and you really want to be an entrepreneur, I love the name, by the way, wow. right? Go read. Like, that's it. Go read some books. That's what I would tell you. Not audible books. Those don't, those don't count. Now, this is a little bit of a different question, right? So yeah. um, maybe still on the lines as far as what motivates you every day. So we, we got the reading down. Now, you had mentioned earlier on in our conversation and even off air that you do a little bit of comedy and everything. Yeah. So... You got Affleck, you got, you know, your comedy side, and then you got the part, the time when you were a dad and you're reading. Yeah. So, but how does the comedy relate to what kind of like what you do now and, and you know, everyday environment, I suppose? So, so here's, here's the funniest thing, right? Senior in high school, I got to take a communication class mm-hmm. and I hate speaking in front of people. It, it's just the biggest fear of my life. Like, I, like I'm talking about it, it's bad. Right. And my teacher goes like, hey, it's your turn. I was like, it's OK. Let's just take the zero. Like, I didn't need that class to graduate. <laughs> like, you know, it's just a class to fill in the time. And he goes, no, 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 no. See, this is how it works. And I'll remember him. His name was Mr. Baker, Coach Baker. He was a wrestling coach. Right. And he goes, hold up. This is how it works. Right. You get up there and you speak. And if you don't, you'll get 100 and everybody else gets a zero. Ooh. Right. So I got up there and did it, and I was terrible at it. Oh my God, my pace was bad. I was saying um every other word. Like it was just terrible. But I always gravitate to things that I suck at. I suck at interviews. I suck at speaking in front of people. But you guys might not see that because (laughs) this is something I worked at, Right. right? Like whatever you suck at, go work at it, right? Like me now, that's why I got into comedy because I was like, that's got to be like the worst thing, right? Like when you're giving a speech, you know what you're going to talk about. Now you got to go there and they're literally judging you second by second. So I was like, I'm going to go to comedy, right? Oh God. In the beginning, it was terrible. The middle was still terrible. And then I kind of figured it out, right? Like I was making people laugh and people were like, oh, this guy's funny. And I had some humor. I was always a class clown and all of that stuff. But comedy made me a better speaker. I'm able to go speak now. If you give me some speaking points and I have to go up there and I speak, I'm not going to get nervous. I'm not looking for laughter to justify what I do, right? Like, I just got to give you the point and do all of that stuff. So comedy's just made me a better speaker, like, in general. 
And like, you know, you talked about the comedy, you talked about the Aflac, you talked about the full-time dad, like where, where my, where I'm trying to go and where Veronica is really helping me go. Like I've spoken at uh, different places, like American Businesswoman, University of Houston, like I spoke there. That's where I want to go. Like when I, like my lifelong goal is this, is going to say, here lies Taha Rahman. He made a effing difference. That's it. Like, that's all I wanted to say. So I, wanna, yeah, I just want to go out there and, like, just talk to people and educate. It goes back to educate. Because the truth of the matter is, Mario, Jennifer, I'm a poor kid. Like, I grew up poor, right? And I just had eight really cool people in my lifetime that were mentors that just helped me go the right way and teach me how to do this, teach me how to dress, teach me how to speak, teach me how to do all of this stuff. Like at the age of 33, I'm not supposed to be here. I was the youngest person to move into this position. And that was when I was 26. I'm still the youngest person to move into this position. I'll give you some stats. People in my position in the insurance realm, right? My position across the board. 84% of them are over the age of 42. I'm 33. And 78% of them are white, and I'm not white, right? Like, I'm not supposed to be here. Statistically, not supposed to be here. But I'm here because some people took their time to make a difference in my life. And all I'm trying to do is pay it forward. And when I heard Veronica tell me, like, you got an opportunity to go talk about being an entrepreneur on a show called Entrepreneur, I was like, done. Like, I'll be there. Like, whatever I got to move around, I got to be there. So I hope, like, some people are listening to it and, like, listen to, like, one thing that I said that can help them out. And that goes to my ultimate goal. Like, here likes Taharaman. He made an effing difference. Like, that's it. Like, that's my goal. That's why I want to go speak. So, like, that's the next, I guess, next part of my journey in life. Go speak places. I love it. I love it. So what is the average, what is the average day in your life look like like walk us through your morning to routine to when you wrap up work life. or like we're starting like personal to work just from the morning to the end of your i guess official work day so i will i will tell you my work day always starts i try to be at work before everybody else i don't need to be but i have to be mm -hmm. because i can't ever ask someone to do something i'm not willing to do that's like one of my principles never going to tell you to do it. If you're five minutes late, I'm never going to be like, Jennifer, you're late, right? I'm just going to be like, Jennifer, come on in. Don't worry about it. Let's catch you up on stuff. Do you know how bad you already feel being late, right? And me, it, me just telling you you're late, it's just going to cause resentment. And that's not the culture I'm trying to build. I'm going to bring you in because I know you're going to be better than that, right? Because you see me, I'm always on time. So I got to get to work, rushing to work. I got to stop at Starbucks. Got to get my coffee. It's an addiction. It's bad. Um, and then my main goal for the first two hours of the day is make sure that I talk to everybody on my team about nothing about what we do. That's about two hours. Uh, then I got to do like the stuff for corporate, like send them numbers and do all of that stuff. Right. And then I'm just hands on working with new people coming into this industry. The only part of my job I enjoy is the training aspect. You got to understand, like, that's it. I don't like the dinners. I don't like <laughs> speaking. Like, all I want to do is train new people that are coming in because they, they came into our organization 
and I made a promise to them that I was going to be, I was going to make them successful. And what I tell everybody is the very simple thing, right? If I tell you that you're going to be successful, there's two people that depend on you to be successful. And I mm -hmm. care too much about those two people to care about your feelings. So let's mm -hmm. get to work. Like, you know, like, and it's just like hard training. Like, let's get to success quick, right? We, if we're going to make a mistake, make a big mistake, right? And I just want to train. So my whole day is training. And training can be very simple. Like, Jennifer, you walk in, and I can see that you're having a tough day. Like, me and you are going to go to lunch, and we're going to talk about it in an hour. Like, I don't care what my schedule says. I'm going to move that on my, off my schedule for another day. We are going to go, and we're going to talk for an hour. Because that one-hour conversation is what you're going to think about mm -hmm. when I piss you off later on. <laughs> like, I like you get what I'm saying like feel that culture right. like just it's all about the people nothing else matters like the product the company nothing matters you ask anybody on my team they love to work for me right and I tell people all the time like don't treat me like a boss because then I'm gonna do some boss stuff and I'm gonna fire you like like treat me like a mentor <laughs> that has made every mistake known to mankind and let me just help you out like let's go like make someone's day better like that's my job like when i talk to you i want you to leave that conversation feeling better than you did when you before you started talking to me that's it that's the only principle that i go by and and, and when you do it it creates this like crazy like thing right mm -hmm. you know hate by the way goes in the same cycle mm -hmm. love goes in the same cycle we got a crazy dude out there that's spreading hate and now more people are hateful than ever before, right? So when I go there and I'm just, you're having a bad day, Jennifer, and I'm there and I just try to make your day better, then the next time you see someone else having a bad day, you're gonna do it. And that's what I'm talking about, that love and that, and you know, people don't wanna say that word love. Like it makes people feel weird. But they'll say F you in two seconds, but they won't say I love you. <laughs> like that just makes them feel weird, right? Like that's, that's an issue. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like, that's an issue. So I finish all my meetings the same way. I tell everybody, every meeting I end, I always say, I love every single one of y'all. And there's nothing you can do about it. I finish every meeting that way. Because I just put it out there, right? I love you. If you're on my team, I do love you. I want to make you better. And that's all we got to do. And when we do that, then it creates this shrinkle effect. That's how you build culture. So I can't ask someone to pay it forward, Jennifer, if I'm not doing it on a daily basis you got to show them the behavior that you want them to exemplify. And so that's my goal every day, go to work, right? I have interviews that I have to do. I have like all these calls that I have to do and you know, I'll get sick for those calls. But if I get an opportunity to make someone's day better, I'm, I'm hitting it like hard. Like that's it. Like that's where I get joy from. It's like people complicate, you know, creating a good culture, but creating good culture is just showing that you care. You know, like if you, if I was, feeling bad and, and you were my manager, you took me to lunch and you really took the time to really make sure that we were aligned or if I was stressed about a, a, you know, a client or something like that, that would make me want to perform better. It would make me want to achieve results because I'm like, I'm really on a team with a manager who really cares about how, you know, my success or that I'm in a good spirits to be able to do the job and all, this, all these things that a lot of people don't feel within organizations. And that goes back to everything you said about retention. So that resonated with me. And, and you know what's crazier? You know what's the number one thing I hear all the time? Like when a new person starts, I'm like, hey, 
Jennifer, what's up? Like, how's your day first day going? They're like, oh. like, cause it's like, <laughs> it's, I'm like supposed to be so far away from them, right? Like I have to break that habit. So in advice, and this is an additional advice, like you gotta be psychotic to do this, okay? I have a binder with uh, people on my team. And I remember important days. So Jennifer, if like, and it has to happen organically. Like, I'm not going to ask you a questionnaire because if I do it, then it does, it's not organic and it doesn't mean a lot. Like, if you're like, hey, Taha, I got to go home today. It's my son's birthday. I'm going to that binder and I'm writing down that date and I'm going to write down your son's name and all of that stuff. So next year on that date, I'm setting a reminder on my phone about that block scheduling. I'm going to say, hey, tell Timmy I said happy birthday. Mm. And I'm going to give a gift. And the gift can be worth $2. Mm -hmm. It can be worth $3. If you, if you tell me, if you ever give me any information, it's in the binder. I can't remember it all, right? It's in the binder, but I genuinely want to show, like, if you're like, oh, it's my anniversary weekend, right? I'm writing that date down. Mm -hmm. And next year during that time, right? If we're having like a big enrollment going on, I'm going to say like in the meeting, I was like, oh no, we can't put Jennifer on it. She has like, I, I don't want, like, uh, I don't want a marriage to stop because of me. She has her anniversary weekend there. Those things mean a lot. And those are the things that you have to do. Like you have to want to do it though. Don't do yeah. it fab like don't fabricate what I'm telling you, right? It's yeah. gotta be a genuine, like I love everybody on my team and there's nothing they can do about it, right? Like when I say it, I mean it. And like, those are the moments. Retention, 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 retention. Those are the moments. It's easy, it's very simple, like you said, but we overcomplicate it. Mm -hmm. We have, a, we have a CRM system that's supposed to remember everybody's birthday. That's crap. Right? Like, and we all have an idea, like, I am going to make it a priority to say happy birthday to this person on their birthday. And as business owners, you guys are business owners, how hard is it? 10 things come up. Right. It's gotta be the number one priority. Sometimes the only thing that matters is people. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Mario. Sorry. And sometimes it's even hard to remember your friend's birthday unless it was for Facebook or something like that. So yeah, be a genuine. Yeah. And what do you know? Today's my birthday. Happy <laughs> birthday! Seriously? No. No. <laughs> uh, I was about to say, if I knew this, like we were gonna really do this, like I was gonna have like Trey songs come on here and sing. Oh man, <laughs> I spoke too soon, man. Right. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know Trey Song, but he can say we have a birthday any day he wants me. I would be absolutely excited. So that's why I said. I was trying to put in my investment for 2021 so I'd get a random digital gift card. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing. Yeah, so that's, that's awesome. Advice. Uh, so a lot of people who are going to be watching the replay of this, they're coming from all kinds of different types of businesses. You know, yeah. Some of it could be insurance, some of it could be photographers, whatever. What advice would you give to other entrepreneurs or business owners that are just trying to get into business? Because the thing is, a lot of people, when they see a, a business owner, they're like, oh, he's successful, but they don't realize the struggle behind it. They don't realize that you got to educate yourself on certain things. Uh, they don't realize that you got to be genuine, you know, when it comes to dealing with, you know, people that you work with or that work, you know, on your team. Um, so what advice would you give to other business owners or entrepreneurs? Very simple. This is the number one advice I give everybody. Uh, you gotta be stupid. You gotta be stupid enough to believe in yourself. Okay? Like this is it. Stupidity is the key ingredient to success. 
See, I'm going to tell you guys a secret right now. Mario, no one hates you more than you hate yourself. Jennifer, no one hates you more than you hate yourself. Like, no one hates Taha more than Taha hates himself, right? Like, we hate each other. Like, we're our number one critics. We're our number one, like, everything, right? Mm -hmm. But when you go into business, it's not rosy. But be stupid enough to believe in yourself, right? Like, stupidity, that's the key ingredient, right? Be stupid enough to, for one time in your life, to give yourself a chance to fail, so you can succeed because you can't truly succeed unless you fail like this journey for me to get over here if, if we had two hours i'll tell you guys some of the, the, the some of the face first mud in my face right but i was stupid enough to believe in myself to get myself out of that situation and go because see when you start a business you're gonna have naysayers and you know who naysayers are. They're not haters, right? Because we just delete haters out of our life. Naysayers are your mom, your sister that love you so much, they don't want to see you fail. They're going to say, Jennifer, don't do this. You got such a great career. What are you doing? I love you, baby, but this ain't for you. Those are naysayers. And when those naysayers come, and when all of these things come, right, and you fail, guess what sets in doubt? And the only way you can break through doubt is being stupid. <laughs> you gotta be just stupid enough to believe in yourself. Like when your loved ones are saying like, this is not it. When everybody else is saying this is not it, right? Be stupid enough to believe in yourself that you're gonna get yourself out of that situation. Obviously hard work, these are the does. Like having a game plan, having an exit strategy, like reading, doing all of those, those are the does, right? You can do all of those and still fail as business because the people that fail is right when adversity hits they're not stupid enough to believe in themselves. Believe in yourself and you'll get out of there. Very simple. That's good. That's true. So what's the most important lesson that you've learned in life in general? Oh, so this is gonna go back to what I was talking about earlier. Remember, um, so I started this career when I was 25 and you know what happens when we were 25, right? We believe we know everything, right? And I've had a, I, I had a lot of success in my athletic career, but I wasn't able to retain. I really sucked at it. And now this is what I'm known for. Like, remember I told you guys I sucked at speaking. Now this is what I'm known for, right? I sucked at it because my mindset was, I just outworked everybody. This is where I came from. I'm a first generation American. My parents came here to give me a better life, right? So I'm just going to outwork anybody that was born in the, uh, like when their parents were born in the United States. You can't beat me. Like I got too much, like, like too many people I got to prove right, right? So like I just went to work and I just outworked everybody. So when I moved into leadership, all I did was I told everybody, come on, let's go. Like I pulled them and I pushed them and I did all of that, right? Like just do what I do. And I didn't retain anybody. People on my team were successful and they left because they hated me as a manager. Oh, wow. Because I just micromanaged and try to push them like, oh my God, you're so close to this. Make it happen. Send them a text message like, good day, but you need like two more, right? Like, you know, everything that every manager does. So I flipped the script. One thing we don't do in our office, we never talk about numbers, ever. I'm graded completely on numbers. I promise you every call I have with corporate is like, you're at this percentage. How are you going to get to this percentage and all of that stuff? But it stops right there. I never talk about numbers with my team. My belief is very simple. If we do what you're supposed to do, 
and you do it consistently, you'll hit the numbers they set for you. Just beat yesterday. If you wake up a minute earlier tomorrow and you do it for 365 days, you'll be waking up at four o'clock by the end of the year, right? Just like beat yesterday, like that's the goal. So then I completely changed everything I did, but I learned all of that stuff by reading Lean In, by reading the five love languages of business, right? Like giving myself an opportunity to grow as a human being. That, that's why I said everybody just needs to go out there and read because that's what changed my career to this next level. Because I knew how to do Aflac. I knew how to do this business, but that doesn't mean anything. I needed to get better at growing people and I needed to get better at leading people. How you lead is you walk and go. Do any of you guys have kids? I know Mario, you said you have kids, right? So this is very simple, Mario. You get up and you walk, okay? Just walk. Like in a crowded place, just walk. I guarantee your kids will follow you. <laughs> like for two reasons, out of fear, like, oh, he's leaving. Uh, we're going to be running out of food soon or whatever the case may be, but that's leading. Uh-huh. But how most people lead is like, Hey, watch me do this. Right. Nobody wants to do that. Or how they lead is they push and they say, look, you gotta be better and you gotta do it. So I lead strictly by just going and having the faith that the people behind me are following. And I never look back. And when I get to my destination, I look around and I see there's only two people left. Well, those are the two people that need to be on my team. The other people, they don't belong here. Right. <laughs> it's a very easy concept. Show people love, people will love you back. Like you were talking about, Jennifer, those one hour lunches, right? To see mm-hmm. how, what's going on in the house, why are you so upset, right? Like, and nothing to do with work. Show people love, they'll show you love back. Take time to invest in the people. Everything else will do it. Every business owner that's gonna to listen to this call, are the best hairstylist they know, is the best cookie maker they know, and is the best cake designer or the best insurance. Sales. Like they're the best at everything they that craft. Mm-hmm. But how many great companies do we see fail all the time? So many. Because they don't invest in the other stuff that they lack at, which is growing people. Retention, retention, retention. That's the number one word. Retain your employees. They become loyal. They tell their friends about it. And you can't push it, be like, hey, we're putting out this post today about growing this, uh, like we're having this cookie sale, mm-hmm. right? Like I need you to share it with your friends, right? Like that's, uh, that's not gonna happen. Right. Build loyalty and they'll do it. So biggest mistake I made, very simple. I thought I knew what I was doing and I did. I know how to do this business. But I never like really try to grow until something happened, which made me take some time to really grow in my craft. Read, 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 read. Learn from people's mistakes. Because you can't truly succeed unless you truly fail. So I failed as a leader to become the person I am today. This shit, sorry for the language, was not a smooth this was, this was not a smooth ride. I promise you that much. There has been some scraped knees some hurt egos, some tear, uh, like crying nights, some like, I'm gonna quit tomorrow, like all of that to get to here. Mm-hmm. And I still gotta grow. I still gotta grow. I know the fight's there. I know what's in front of me. So I gotta go fight that. And, uh, that's the truth. I love it. And, and you mentioned um, 
three books real quick, because also you mentioned education as we come towards the end. Lean In, Five Love Languages of Business. And what was the third book? 10X by Grant Cardone. 10X, okay. Cool. I got to meet that dude. He's like the coolest dude in the world, but like he's completely different than me. Like he's like all about the numbers, like do 20 times more than what you were gonna do and all of that stuff. And I give through three different levels because you need to learn from everybody else to make it your own. So, okay, this interview was thebomb.com first and foremost. <laughs> and I want to know, how can our listeners connect with you? Can you drop your social media handles? Yeah, so like most of our stuff is better with Taha on everything. So like we're on Instagram, Facebook, the website betterwithtaha.com and it's uh, the Taha is T-A-L-H-A, -A. the L is silent. My mom used it as a conversation starter. Betterwithtaha.com, you can find everything. Even on YouTube, you can put Better With Taha. There's going to be some snippets of me doing my Tuesday talks and everything. That's the number way to connect with me there. It's my contact information is there. I am always eager to talk to anybody that listens to this. Give me a shout. Because like I told you, my goal is very simple. Here lies Taha Rami. He made an effing difference. That's it. I love it. I love that slogan. And, and all right, so real quick, recapping Tuesdays. So you have a Tuesday talk. Is that open for everybody or is that? Yeah. So we, we try to start this thing and it was for like all businesses, not because what I want to, I don't want to be known as the insurance guy. I want to be known as the guy that gives crappy advice. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, so we started this segment. It was called Tuesday Talks with Taha and Veronica, who's like a mad genius. And she's been on this show. Which episode was she on? You guys remember? Uh, it, was, it was recent. It was our one. Of, I think it was last month's episode. She's awesome. I love her. Like, <laughs> like that's my dog too. So like she, uh, she came up with this idea, and we would just drop like two minute videos on uh, just, and we would go into the studios and doing all of that stuff. But it's just so much tougher right now to get like good quality stuff out just because we're in you know COVID. So there's a lot of Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday tips already on the YouTube and we drop those on all the social media platforms. So it'll be on Instagram. It'll be on Facebook. It'll be on that. And it's a series that we plan on doing it for 12, one to first Tuesday of every month for 12 months. We're going to drop it. I have a whole list of it, slew of them that I'm willing, ready to drop. Awesome. Well, y'all follow Taha on social media, especially so you can get those Tuesday tips. The website is betterwithtaha.com. Taha, thank you so much for joining us tonight. This was a fun interview, and we look forward to talking with you again. Hey, Jennifer and Mario, I love each and every one of you, and there's nothing you can do about it. I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Much love. Thank you for having me. I'm just honored to be able to take some time. Thank you so much. Thank you. All thank right, you. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye, everybody.